when you step in as a mentor, not every situation is the same. You have to understand that not everybody has the same background or the same values. So you have to sit down and figure out how you could help that person accomplish the goals that they have set forward, but they don't know how to get there. So you're the bridge to help them get there. Welcome. You are listening to the Hero of the Hour podcast, the show dedicated to empowering you to take financial freedom into your own hands. Through expert interviews with decades of experience, this show will give you not only the tactical strategies of what's working in business, but the appropriate mindsets to master your financial future and build generational wealth. Heroes and entrepreneurs operate with a similar anything is possible mentality, and that is exactly what our show is about. Your host is none other than Mark B. Murphy, CEO of Northeast Private Client Group and best-selling author of three books, all dedicated to helping others plan for generational wealth. He and his team are on a mission to share their knowledge and techniques so that others can enjoy a life of financial security and freedom. Get ready to be inspired to create the life of your dreams. Let's go. Welcome to a captivating episode of the Hero of the Hour podcast. Today, we're joined by Sandy Cornelio, renowned as one of the country's top sports agents, and Mike Tisch from the Sports Wealth Asset Group. Sandy Cornelio, our first guest, brings a unique perspective on what it means to be a hero. He believes that true heroes are those who exceed society's expectations, going the extra mile to make a lasting impact. With a rich background working alongside top athletes, Sandy emphasizes the profound importance of mentorship in young athletes' lives. He recognizes the void left by absent male figures in the lives of young men from single-parent households and is committed to filling that void with guidance, support, and empowerment to help these individuals achieve their dreams. Mentorship, as Sandy shares, is not a one-size-fits-all endeavor. It's about understanding each person's unique background, values, and aspirations, and bridging the gap to assist them in reaching their goals. In this episode, you'll gain valuable insights into how mentors can play a pivotal role in shaping the future of young athletes. Our conversation takes a fascinating turn toward Sandy's experience in the military, which has been a profound influence on his life. He describes the military as the foundation that taught him about character, values, and the importance of having a clear sense of direction. But that's not all. Our guests will also unveil strategies for inspiring positive change, highlighting the significance of understanding what motivates each individual. We'll touch on the critical element of trust, the financial literacy challenges that athletes face, and the responsibility that agents have in preparing athletes for life beyond their sports careers. In this episode, you'll discover what Sandy Cornelio defines as a true hero, the pivotal role of mentorship in the lives of young athletes, the importance of long-term financial planning and personal development, and the responsibility mentors and agents have in shaping the future. So join us for this enlightening and empowering conversation. It's a journey into mentorship, heroism, and making a profound impact on the lives of young athletes. Enjoy the show.
Good morning, everybody. I'm Mark Murphy. I'm a founder and CEO of Northeast Private Client Group. I'm here to talk to a couple of very good friends of mine, uh, Mike uh, Tisch from the Sports Wealth Asset Group. And uh, in my opinion, one of the very, very best, uh, if not the best uh, agent uh, in the country, Sandy Cornello. So Sandy, uh, Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you. you. Know, I, you know, Mike's answered this before because he's been he's been uh, either fortunate enough or unfortunate enough to join me. You know, at least on another podcast before. But I always call this Sandy the Hero of the Hour podcast because I uh, I only like to have people on the show that are either heroes to me or heroes to other people, and I cer- certainly think you fit that category. So I, I just love to just hear from you. You know, tell me who some of your heroes are, or or tell me. Uh, you know, well, you know, tell, tell me what a hero means to you. So a hero means to me is somebody who's willing to go above and beyond what society think is the norm. And that's what a hero is to me. That's uh, seeing the kind of work and, you know, just for the people that are, you know, listening out there, you know, I've, I've known Sandy for the last couple of years and worked with him with a couple of, uh, you know, the very, uh, the very, very best uh, uh, athletes in the world, uh, a couple of all pro players. And, uh, you know, I think that I think it all starts to me if I was going to describe you and I only had one word and it, that would be a hard to figure out because I could think of a lot of words if I, you know, about you and all wonderful. But if I had to think about one word, I would think about the word mentor or mentoring. You know, I I see the kind of work that you do in mentoring. So I'd love to hear, you know, from your standpoint, what's, you know, what what's important about mentorship? And so what's important to me about mentorship is that I understand that there's a void in today's community with male figures. And there's a lot of young men that come from single mothers and there's a male figure missing there. And I believe it's stepping in and helping give direction to that young man so he could accomplish the goals he has in life or help him accomplish those goals. There's different situations. So you got when you step in as a mentor, not every situation is the same. You have to understand that not everybody has the same background or the same values. So you have to sit down and figure out how you could help that person accomplish the goals that they have set forward, but they don't know how to get there. So you're the bridge to help them get there. Do you think uh, you know, values are a judgment decision or you know, whether, you know, what's good values or bad values? I think that's in the eye of the beholder. But what's a value that you find young athletes have that does not serve them well, and you've got to spend time to get them to kind of Kind of, kind of look at things from a different perspective if they're going to be as successful as they possibly could be. So one value that they, that athletes have to a fault, it's going to sound contradicting, but I will explain myself. Sometimes you could be loyal to the fault. Sometimes you think you owe your family something that you don't owe them. And sometimes they fall down that rabbit hole and they try to save their family when their family's not trying to save themselves. And that that athlete could put themselves in a wrong situation. I think that's. By the way, I love the fact you got really on two point, short, succinct answers that are, that are right there. You, you spend a lot of time inspiring positive change in young people. Give me some other strategies or some effective strategies that you use to inspire people. Because I think as successful you as you are as as one of uh, the NFL's top agents, I think even more inspiring is the fact that the difference you're making in your community and to the lives of the people you touch. I'd love to know some of the, some of the strategies you, you employ. So the first thing I got to figure out is what motivates a person. Some people get motivated by money. Some people get motivated by free time. Some people get motivated by vacations. So I got to figure out to motivate you what motivates you. 
And that's the carry that I put in front of you. So it makes you chase that carry. When I sit down with the young person, I try to figure out what is it that they're trying to get out of life and what is it that they're trying to get out of what goals they set for themselves. So the biggest thing is just figuring that out with them and having them buy in. Because a lot of people tell people what to do. If you tell somebody what to do, that doesn't mean they buy in. But if they're part of the plan, there's a higher chance that they will buy in and they'll believe in what you're trying to accomplish. That's really powerful. You're a role model to people. Do you, I, you know, the thing I've noticed in the work that I've done with you is that you seem to not only be a mentor, but a role model, the folks that you're working with. Do you agree that you're a role model to the people you work with? I, I do. I believe that I'm a role model to the young men that I work with. I think almost inspirational. And that ultimately, when you when a person comes to you, I know you spend a lot of time encouraging them to pursue their dreams. Do most people, do most of the folks you work with when you meet them, do they have a clear vision of what their dream is or do you help them have to help them to sort of evolve what that dream should, should become? No, most people I meet mean, don't have a clear path to their dream. So I have to take and explain first my background so they can understand that it could be done. For example, I explained to them, I come from my background comes, my parents are both from Dominican Republic. My dad comes from a town today in 2023 still doesn't have electricity and still doesn't have roads wow. so i i explained to them that if my dad can make it from there to new york city to tampa florida and that's the background i could come there's no excuse why you can't make it in this country it's just you got to believe in the dream and you got to put a lot of people want to have a dream but they don't want to put the work into the dream so without work there's no dream dream just doesn't come because you're going to play the lottery and get lucky so a lot of people, I always tell people, you got to have work ethic and you got to put the work in and then you could prosper and then you will get your dream. And that's what I try to explain to young men in this country, that you have to have a dream, which is your goal, but you got to put the work in. Without the work, you will never accomplish your dream. The other thing you mentioned, you talk about your community, you talk the community, uh, how important that is. Tell us a little bit about the value of community engagement. It, it's important because a lot of people speak on the community, but the community is a group of people who come together and live in a certain area. And if you don't give back to that community and show that you could do it the right way, who do these young men have to look up to? So I always, if I'm engaged in the community, I tell people how I did it and I did it the right way. Young men can look at me the right way because I, let me take a step back. When you look at what we call the community, the minority community, and, and, and this is very important to me. I look at the, I look at the minority community who are, when, when a young man is growing in low income, who are they looking up to? Are they looking to, no disrespect, Mark, are they looking to the drug dealer? Are they looking to, they don't have no positive influencer to look up to. So that's why I love coming back to my community and showing them, look, I did it the right way. I went and I served my country 21 years. I went and I got my bachelor's degree. I went and I got my master's degree. And I didn't make no excuses that it was hard because I was a minority. I just went and did it the right way. And today I'm a positive influence for the young man to look at that if, even if you can't come out and be a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant, you could still do it another way and still make it. Well, you know, the military has obviously formed an important part in your life. It's been a very, very important piece of your life. How is, how is the military, how, how can the military help, help, help others, especially folks that are not going to go into the military? How, how can they help these young athletes? Well, I, I could start by this, Mark. The military helped me a lot because it was the foundation in my life. It was what started me. It taught me what character was. It taught me what values were, what was important. It gave me a direction in life. 
So those things, when I grab a young man, even if they're not joining the military, I could instill those same values and character into that young man that maybe he hasn't had in the past. I see transformation in that group. The question I have, you know, I, one of the things I do see is, you know, I hire a lot of financial advisors who work with our firm. And, you know, we pour a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of resource to them so that they, be, they can become world-class advisors. And I, I'm coming to the, the conclusion that we can make a huge difference in their life, but they have to want it themselves. You know, they, that I can't want it more than they, they want it. Is that the same challenge that you have? That the same what's the frustration that what's the stuff that you go wow this is uh this is a rough day you know the rough day is when it comes to the financial part i have to sometimes remind myself that for 21 years they've been taught some kind of finance that is completely wrong they've been taught the the method of i get money i spend money today they live for the future i mean i'm sorry they live for the now not the future and when you're grabbing an athlete market in your situation, you're building for the future. But they've been taught this whole time that they got to buy in for the now. So that transformation is really hard because for 21 years, you've been getting told, buy what you want right now, live for today, you might die tomorrow. So that young man has that instilled in him for that many years. And now we're trying to take him and transform him to start thinking about the future. Start thinking about the person you are at 40, 50, 60, 70. And it's hard for them to see that vision because nobody has ever spoke to them about that. One of the most powerful things that, that that's helped me is there was an article that's now it's over 20 years old that Sports Illustrated came out with. And it talked about that 81% of all uh, professional athletes were either bankrupt or in severe financial distress within two years of retirement. And so when I, when I see athletes making some silly decisions, I'll dust off that article, I'll send it to them and say, I only work with the 19%, not the 81%. Uh, give me a call. What do you do to kind of shake somebody into to, to realizing uh, you, you can be a king for a few years or a prince for a lifetime? Make a choice. Uh, that's another expression I like to use. How, how, how do you how do you uh, help help people with that? I just help them explain the first thing question I ask them: When do you think you're going to die? Right. The the answer is unknown, but I, I make them understand because most people their answer is going to be 70, 80, 90. So I always explain to them. So if you want to live to 90. You're not going to be able to work at 90. You probably can't work at, at, in your 80s. So if you don't have no income coming in, how are you expected to survive at that point? And I, and I always tell them, you love your lifestyle right now. If you do it the right way, you could love that lifestyle for a very long time, or you could only have that li lifestyle for a short time. So it's up to you by the decisions you make today. Every choice in the world has a con consequence, good or bad, but it has a consequence. So the choices you're making today are going to have a consequence on your future. It's up to you. Are they good or are they bad? Yeah, we, that's how we developed uh, the, our concept of paychecks and playchecks, meaning one of the things we want to do is make sure that we, we set up people with a series of assets that will give them either a guaranteed or a highly reliable stream of income to replace their income as an NFL player. And we'll call those paychecks. And then we like to have another series of assets where you can spend it, you can save it, you can give it away. But the important thing is it will not be responsible for producing income for that family. So if you have both paychecks and playchecks, you have financial freedom. That's something that served the people uh, that, that we work with very, very well. You know, it's clear to me in the first meeting I met with you several years ago that, you know, I, I, I would say, I, I think I've said this to Mike before. I said, I wish I had a guy, who, I wish I had a son that was uh, was going into the NFL 
uh, because I'd like him to be represented by you. How do you get your new clients and how have you been so successful at getting some very high profile and, and pro bowl athletes as, as clients? And how do you see getting, and how is that changing as we move, uh, as the world continues to change? So recruiting will always be tough. I, I mean, there's 968 agents that look like me, talk like me. Um, what separates everybody is your background. And are you able to, a lot of people make it about themselves. It's never about me. It's what can I do for that young man? And how can I help that young man? And as long as I make it about the family and the young man, I'm just here to do the best job I can for the people who want to join my team and be part of my team. Mike, do you want to say something? Yeah, I mean, I just think that um, a lot of what C's talking about is stuff that we've kind of went over and discussed and had a, a lot of conversations about. And we we have a lot of the same battles, you know, bringing in new clients. And a lot of what you guys said earlier, just about, you know, how do you make people believe? Like, Mark, like you said, you're hiring a bunch of agents, but if they don't put in the same work and have the same belief that you have, it becomes hard to, to make them successful. And that's the same thing with the clients. So we could have the best game plan in the world. We could we could formulate the best game plan with them, but having them really buy in and having their inner circle buy in to what the goal is. Like this money can last you and your family for a lifetime. So it's not just them. The, the decisions that they make really affect their, themselves, their family, their future family. Um, and I think that that's kind of lost along the way. So being being a mentor and helping them, you know, off the field, on the field, um, I think that's really where where our benefit comes in. And, and working with agents like C and, and working with you helps bring a lot to the table that I think is very undervalued that they um, a lot of the athletes just don't realize how much they could really get out of it. The other thing that I, I also believe is that that regardless of your background, if you've been able to commit yourself to to playing in the NFL, you've been successful as a world class athlete. Athlete, you signed not only a first contract, you signed a second contract, maybe maybe even beyond that. I believe that you have a game. You you have the, a blueprint to make yourself successful in the next step of life. And so, one of the things I have a great deal of passion for is I can't do anything to make an athlete successful on the field. But what we can what we can do is we can make people. Because if they retire at 30 or 32 or 28 or 35, depending on, you know, when you, when you're, when it's up, they're going to, as you said, see, they're going to live another, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, not being an athlete. And so I think that it's a moral obligation to make sure that those kids are prepared for life after football. And they know they have a blueprint to success on, on the field. We can just re re-engineer that plan to help them have the same success they want after football. How important is that to you? It's extremely important because if a young man makes $100 million and he loses it all, you fail. You have to feel like not only did the young man fail, but you fail because that means that you didn't penetrate his his train of thought to help him succeed. So in a way, you're a lot of people would say, well, that wasn't me. It wasn't, but you were part of the process. Right. So a young man failed, you failed. And what you got to look at and take back and notice and recap, what can I have done better? How can I have helped them? How can I have intervened? How can I have, you got to ask those questions so you won't do the same mistake with the next young man. Are you going to save everybody? No, it's absolutely impossible. But your goal is to save everybody you can. And you will never go into it and you shouldn't go to a situation thinking I'm going to fail. 
you always go into the situation thinking, this man, young man, I'm going to help him succeed. So with that train of thought, you never think about failure. But when you do fail, you have to sit back and take some responsibility. You just can't say, well, the young man didn't listen to me. You got to take some responsibility and look in the mirror and say, what can I have done better? I think the hardest thing for for an athlete is trust, meaning that you know that ultimately that these people are that these guys are are targets. They are targets for women that want to get pregnant. They are targets for people that want to steal their money. They're targets for family members that want them to do things that are not in their interest. You know, I, I could spend an hour just telling you how many ways they're targeted by different people in their lives. Targeted, you know, they waste their time. I mean, there's there's so many places. I think that if I'm an athlete, and especially if I come where I don't have that support system built into my own family, I need I need to build that community as you de- as you describe it. How do I figure out who to trust? How do you figure out who the, who the right person to trust is? Mark, that's really hard. Think think about it. And I know people get uncomfortable a little bit with race, but it's really important. You you get raised in a community that you're around people who look like you, okay. And then you go into the aging world where I'm just making, you know, giving you example. Let's say 65% of agents are Caucasian. Financial advisors, probably 80%. And now the person that people are telling me to trust doesn't look like me. And I've probably been told by my family, don't even trust those type of people. So now that's the type of person I have to trust because that's the person that professionally is qualified to do that job. It's really hard for that young man to look at that person and be able to identify and build a relationship and build rapport and trust that human being. So on the other side, as a financial advisor, as an agent, as a mentor, you have to take the time to build the rapport and build a relationship before you try to build business. And a lot of people make the mistake that they try to build business and then build a relationship. The young man will never trust you. So you got to try to build a relationship first so he could trust you when it's time to make a decision. Have you noticed that life is getting more and more expensive? From grocery prices to real estate values, everywhere you turn, prices seem to be skyrocketing. Well, Mark has dedicated decades of his career and life to serving entrepreneurs and professionals to build real wealth. And in most cases, multi-generational wealth. The reality is, we all have to navigate turbulent times in this economy. But the difference will be for those that have a roadmap and a customized plan for building wealth. That's why, as a listener to this podcast, we are so excited to share with you first access to Mark's newest book, The Ultimate Investment, a roadmap to grow your business and build multi-generational wealth. When you access this book, you'll discover how to know when you're working a job instead of a business. That hard work isn't all about hours put in. This will make you more productive. Why you need to live with your back against a wall. How to surround yourself with the right people who support your vision. And so much more. Go to www.markbmurphy.com forward slash book to get access now. Once again, go to www.markbmurphy.com forward slash book. And now, back to the show. I know you you uh, are you know not only are trusted by their players but you're trusted by their families too. And so if uh, you know I, I know I know you're the lord of the living room. 
But uh, question, I, if I'm a father, I'm a father of five kids. So if I'm a father and my kids were going to hire you, what are the one or two or three questions that I should be asking you to decide whether you're the right agent for me or whether anybody should be the right agent for my child? Okay. The first thing I always, if I was in your situation and I was looking for an agent or a mentor, the first question I would ask the, the person is, I ask them a little bit about their background. What makes you different than the uh, the next person? And if they can't answer that, then I know that they're just telling me the robotic answer that their company probably told me to, to, to say. The second question is a little controversial, and I shouldn't say this, but th- this is what I would ask the agent or the mentor. How are your financial? Because how can you help me with finances if you are bankrupt or if your credit score is 560? How are you going to help me? And it's a very controversial answer because most agents might not even want to answer it. But you need to know their background. Well, you know, do research on their background. Find out have they been arrested? Have they? I mean, it's tough, but it's just if your life is not straight, how can you direct my son's life? And then the, the third question I will always ask is how many people do you have underneath you? I always explain it like this. And this is the best way I could explain to a young man. I always ask them when they say, well, there's agents that got 100 clients. I say, it's cool. I never met a man that been successful with 100 girlfriends. You can't keep them all happy. <laughs> um, I, I always tell them that it's impossible to keep them all happy. So how can somebody that has 100 people underneath them be able to give you their full service? I just don't see how they could do it. So those are three questions that I would ask. You know, I've seen it when you've got some of those agents from the big agencies and we've got players there and, you know, they feel like the... Uh, the redheaded stepchild, you know, meaning, you know, they're, you know, they're calling, 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 and, uh, and, and just not getting the attention that they deserve. I mean, I think that, I think there is a, you know, there's only 24 hours in the day. And, uh, you know, I know it seems some days like you, you need 28 or 29 hours of the day to get everything done you need. But yeah, I, I find those agents, you know, they, although they're, the agencies are very successful, I, I think they've left a lot of, uh, people on the side of the road. And that they've not not only not given them the the right, you know, uh, let's call it contract or financial advice, but they've really not uh, done the mentoring that we've discussed so much to help them get ready to be successful in life after football. And I think that's I think I think that's a big problem. Well, Mark, you you hit it earlier when you say eighty one percent of the NFL is bankrupt three years after they leave the league. This, this is a big reason why because there's no way you can mentorship direct and lead a young man through the process having 180, 75 people. There's just no way. So those young men that stayed to the side are the guys that are going to fail because they they had no direction. They never had a chance to make it. In most, in most cases, people don't even, agents or financial advisors are only talking to the players when it's contract time. I mean, that's really it, you know, unless they're, unless they're free agents. You know, there's a lot of time that between contract, you know, a lot of financial advisors only do a certain portion of planning, either they're big inequities or selling insurance or whatever the case is, but being able to sit with those players and show them that you're not selling a product, that you are there to help them and coordinate their life, not just their finances, but really help them coordinate their day to day. I think that that's really where it separates, you know, especially what we do, you know, we're not a product first type of, you know, firm, you know, we're more about the process, but working with, you know, agents and and, uh, CPAs and and having that network is really what it is, you know, being able to connect those players so that the player feels that they are working with uh, a top-notch agency 
but because of the service that they're that they're getting. Uh, that's a great point, Mike. Uh, see, has the NIL uh, name, image, likeness law that uh, the courts passed uh, in the last year or two is that affecting how early agents get into the game and who's giving these players advice? Because you know, top eight, top players are not only getting hundreds of thousands of dollars to sign with a school, they're getting millions of dollars in some cases. So how has that impacted the the, the landscape? It, it changed their game completely. Agents didn't used to reach out to players until their junior year. Now you have agencies reaching out to players in high school. You got agencies reaching out their freshman year, their first semester. So it changed the game. It's a tough slope because I always ask people, can you really keep a four-year relationship with a young man that's 15 years old and you're 39, 40? Yes, you could mentor him, but you got your own guys in the NFL. You got your own clientele. Really, are you helping that young man or are you doing more disservice of trying to have them sign with you and not giving them the attention that they need. I think that that makes sense. You know, I mean, I I think that the NIL, you know, is I, I think eventually they're going to have to put some kind of structure around it at some point. There's going to be some kind of agreement because it's just the wild, wild west. Um, I, th- I think a lot of times it was put in place. You know, I, I think people should make as much money as they can. But I think the transfer rules, you know, I think which were put in place to allow kids that weren't in a good situation or or who couldn't, uh, you know, weren't getting a lot of playing time, as an example, to give them an opportunity to get to the right school. But I think now it becomes almost like a free agency every year. And, you know, you're seeing people, you know, that are transferring, you know, and you know there's a deal in place before they transfer or they wouldn't, you know, or they wouldn't put themselves in the transfer portal. So I think there's a lot of cheating going on right now. And, you know, the, the thing I, f- I find it hard is guys that are honest like you, and I think anybody watching this knows that you're not only the best at what you do, but your your integrity is impeccable. How does it feel when you know there's a lot of cheating going around and a lot of, uh, you know, you know, not only with NFL players, but now even with college players? How, how does that affect how you run your business? It doesn't change my business. I am who I am. I'm about my character, my integrity. I'm not going to change for nobody else. Whoever wants to cut corners, that's their business model. I got to stick to me and my partner's business model. Uh, I'll give you a perfect example. I had a young man and his father reach out and I won't name the schools because, you know, I'll keep them. But I had two schools, two co- two universities. One was offering 400000 per year. One was offering 20000 per year. And the young man and the father sat down and, and, the, and the father told me, he said, Sandy, 400000 a year is a lot of money. It changes my family. I said, good. I said, thank God that you're not the one going to college. So we're not making a decision for you. We're making a decision for your son. And I looked at him and I said, okay, I looked at the son and I said, what school do you want to go to? He said, I want to go to the school that's going to pay me 20,000 a year. I said, why? And he gives me the why and the dad gives me the why. And I told the dad this, I said, your son will make 400,000, but let me help you. What you have to look at it is this, that university hasn't produced a DB to go to in the draft in the last six years. So you're making a decision for today. Your son is looking to make a decision for the future. The school he wants to go to have produced 20 DBs in the last, I think it was the last seven years. I said, so your son making the NFL team is in school B, not school A. And your son sees the future. So you're looking at 400,000 times four is 1.6 million. A lot of money. I can never say it's not. But if your son goes in the second round, he'll make $4 million. So you'd rather leave $4 million on the table over 1.6. It's your decision. But your son is on the right path. And the son picked the school and went for 20000 a year. That's great. You know, I, I know uh, there, you have a lot of confidentiality agreements. And I think anybody can Google you after this 
podcast and they can see some of the players you represent, et cetera, et cetera. Do you have any, do you have any uh, stories you like that would be empowering to the audience or any funny or anything that people would, would love to know about a player that uh, they wouldn't mind you sharing on a podcast? You know, uh, you know, obviously it wouldn't be anything embarrassing or anything, uh, you know, that uh, would be, uh, you know, tawdry in any way or anything, but, but I mean, there, there, you've got some really heartwarming stories and some things that you've done to, to help certain players, families. And I don't, I don't, I think they'd be proud to, to know, that not only you help them, but uh, you know, that you help them, but you also help their family or, or helped other people they cared about. A- anything you cared to sh- care to share? At the time, I was a recruiter for the United States Army, and I was in West Palm Beach, Florida. And um, I went to a high school that the Army gave me, and I went to Pahokee High School, and I walked in, and there was two young men shooting dice in the middle of the day. And I'm thinking, wow. wow. And when when I walk up to them, they're like, um, you're in the army? I said, yes, I'm in the army. Well, in the real army? I said, yes, in the real army. There's only one army in my head, but yes, I'm in the real <laughs> army. And at that time, Bin Laden was still alive. And they asked me, you captured Bin Laden? I said, well, no, he's still loose. I'm just here recruiting, trying to find two young men like like yourself so y'all could go recruit him. I mean, so y'all could go capture them. And one of them goes, we're not going in the army. You don't know who you're talking to. I said, I don't. I don't know who y'all are. And um, I, so he says, I'm Mr. Florida. I said, good. Well, at that time, I didn't follow football. I told you I'm, my parents are from Dominican Republic. I only follow baseball. And I'm thinking, OK, what is Mr. Florida? Are you the mayor of Florida? I don't know. <laughs> and he tells me, um, sir, I, I want you to help me. I said, OK, I will start processing to the United States Army like tomorrow. That's what I believe because I'm the Army recruiter. I thought that's what he was talking about. So I gave them both my car. I let him go. Never thought I was going to hear from these two young men. On my way home, 20 minutes later, he calls. And I'm speaking on Janaris Jenkins. And he gives me a call. And Janaris says, sir, um, I'm calling you. I'm like, I'm glad you're joining Army, right? He said, no, 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 no. I want you to help me go to football camps. I said, listen, son, I don't know nothing about football. I'm not taking you to no football camps. I don't want to waste your time. I hang up. Kid calls back in 10 minutes and tells me, no, 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 I need you. Army people are rich. You could take me to the football camp. I said, no, I can't take you to football camp. I'm an Army recruiter. If you want to join the Army, call me. I told you that. I hang up. Call. Kid calls back five minutes later and tells me, I really need you to help me. So I, I, I'm like, okay, this kid is really persistent. I said, um, all right, when is the football camp? He said, this Saturday. I said, okay. So... I was in West Palm Beach, Mark, just to give you ge- geographically what I was thinking. I'm thinking, at worst, I'm going to go three hours north to the University of Florida. At worst, at best, I'm going to the University of Miami, which is one hour. Okay? So I tell him, I'll be there Saturday morning to pick you up. I drive Saturday morning. I pick him up at 7. He says, hold on, I got one issue. I said, what's the issue? Can I bring three of my friends? I said, okay, bring three of your friends. So they get in the car. I say, okay, where are we going? So that's before GPS. It was MapQuest. So he gives me the paper. And when I look at the paper, it says Columbia, South Carolina, 14 hours away. (laughs) True story. So I put him in the car and we drove to Columbia, South Carolina and went to camp up there. That's how I built my relationship with Janoris Jenkins. And for anybody who doesn't follow the NFL, that's a one of uh, C's all pro cornerbacks, uh, Jack Rabbit. And, and not only was it was a, a talented player for a few years, he's been a talented player for over a decade, which at that position is very hard to stay at the very top for that long. So he's been a 
He's been he's been a he's been a star in the league. That's a great story. He's a uh, he's been very 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 successful too. Mike, anything you want to talk about? T- tell anything you want to share or anything you want to share about C for the yeah, audience? Obviously. See, see, and I have a lot of you know. We've we've hit the road before, you know. We've we've traveled for clients, and you know we've seen a lot of different you know situations. Clients go through good, bad, and, and the ugly, and um, it, you know it's good it's good to have support there. You know, if something goes up, it's if something goes down. I should say it's it's good to have uh you know some, the agent that's aware of what's going on, like like the financial advisor would be, but having somebody that has that same persistence, that same integrity. Uh, to work with is is important. You know, a lot of agents come and go like a lot of financial advisors do. But when you have them and you have relationships and it's three, four, five, six years deep and the people are still there, it just shows that, you know, you know integrity is always a, a strong feature to have. So being able to share that with with C and, and, and is important. You know, and I think that the players get uh, a lot more than what they think they're getting when when you have everybody that's on the same page. Which is why, you know, like I said, speaking about NIL deals and working with some of those players also is important because not only are the players getting money earlier and more money than they've ever dreamed of, their parents are also getting money earlier than they've ever dreamed of. So um, it's a learning process. So I think financial literacy uh, is important across the board. I think I, I was around. I went to Indiana in the in the eighties, and Bob Knight did not like the University of Kentucky's basketball team, so he would used to make. Uh, he used to say, uh, go on TV and say things like, "I feel sorry for the players going to the NBA from Kentucky next year." And the announcer would say, "Why is that?" He goes, "Well, because they're going to take a pay cut." Uh, right. so, so you know, I, I think uh, I think money's been in uh, you know money's been in, in college athletics a long time. I just think it's coming out in the open as well. And uh, and the other thing you, you think I think for a guy like you see who's 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 represented some of the very very best. The other so, side of the coin is. Who are the players that don't have will not make it in the league or will not sign the, that contract? You know, I, I think in the NFL at least you have seven rounds. I know, like in the NBA, there's only two rounds, and I, I don't think there's a guarantee with a second round uh, prospect doesn't even get a guaranteed contract. I think I think the the thing that I I just keep seeing in my business, I see it in athletics, I see it in virtually every business, is that you take a look at who are the two hardest working guys that that uh, that I've ever seen. Michael Jordan would become to name would be one. The other would be Kobe Bryant. And I think that I think the other the other thing that I think that can't get replaced is hard work. You know, the, the reason you've been successful, the reason Mike's been successful is that you guys won't get outworked. And I think that, uh, you know, that all of those players, particularly the ones that are so highly you know, rated, so highly blessed with athletic talent. But when you get to the level to be an all pro player in the NFL, you've got to not only have the athletic ability of not only have to be very, very smart, but you have to be able to work harder than everybody else because everybody's got that talent. And, you know, when I've, you know, the, the thing that I've just seen in the 20 years I've been around the league has been when I've got a player that wants it more than anybody else and is willing to do things that they're not doing now to have what they don't have, those people generally succeed. I mean, the very fact, how could a kid from the community like, like Janoris Jenkins have the, confidence and the determination to call a guy who clearly hung up on him three times. <laughs> I, I mean, to, to me, you know, I don't care if that guy was a lawyer, a doctor, an NFL player, uh, you know, uh, an, an, a widget salesman, you know, that guy was going to be successful because he wanted and he was willing to do whatever it took to make it happen. 
and then he's done whatever it has to to, to keep in the league. Um, I don't think that can get replaced. Um, I think I think sometimes you see people they get the money and then they take the foot off the gas and, and are not willing to do the things they were doing to get there. Do you see that occurring? Do you see that happening? I get asked by clients all the time, like, what separates from good from great or mediocre to good? And I always tell people, once y'all make it to the NFL, y'all all talented. They're talented athletes, but you don't make it there. But what makes good from great is the good person's not willing to do what the great person's willing to do. The late hours, lift more, run more, you know, not drink alcohol, not do drugs. He's willing to go above and beyond. So at times, when you get money and, and you think you made it, that work ethic changes. Now you don't want to put the hours. But when you're great, you don't do it for the money. You do it for your legacy. And that's what separates you from everybody else. Agreed. Uh, I want to tell you, I know how busy you guys are. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. And all, all I can tell you is that uh, I've just seen that, that, that you, when, you, when I think about you, I think about somebody that impacts the lives of everybody that he touches. Mike, I could say the same thing about you as well. I think I got two guys on this podcast who, who change the lives positively of everybody they touch. And uh, if everybody in any any industry was just willing to do what you guys do to make to help other people to be successful, the world would be a lot better place. And I just want to thank both of you for taking the time to spend uh, to spend some time with us this morning. Thank, thank you, Mark, for inviting me. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, so much. Thanks, Mike. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Hero of the Hour podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share the podcast episode with them. You can catch the show notes for this episode and more at www.markbmurphy.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to check out the other great books and resources on the website while you're there. Once again, it's www.markbmurphy.com forward slash podcast. All links can be found in the description below. We look forward to serving you on the next episode. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS or Guardian, and opinions stated are their own. Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. OSJ, 200 Broad Hollow Road, Suite 405, Melville, New York, 11747, 631-589-5400. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Northeast Private Client Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0B36048 Arkansas Insurance License Number 741545 Expiration and Submission Numbers Located in the Show Notes